We are talking tonight about Satan's defeat and judgments. We've been on the study of angels for quite some time, and we are coming toward the end of that particular doctrinal study, and then we will start another one. Uh, you know, you do know you have an enemy, right? And you do know that your enemy desires to attack you and he wants to attack your mind. And if he can take control of the high places of your mind, he can take control of the rest of you. And we have been studying that he is a defeated foe. But tonight I want to look at his judgment because he is already defeated. And uh, we're going to go back to a very familiar passage that we've read a number of times in the book of Ezekiel and chapter 28. <clears throat> but I want us to understand that when he sinned, he was immediately defeated. Immediately defeated. Because there is no power in the universe greater than the power of Almighty God. Now, our text tells us in Ezekiel chapter 28, starting in verse number 12, these words. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. And say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, and diamond, the beryl, the onyx, jasper, sapphire, and turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. You are the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with the violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covered cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. What as or Ezekiel is telling us that God was sharing with him that the very moment that Satan sinned and made that choice to rebel against God, it was at that moment he was a defeated foe. Now, <clears throat> I always use the analogy, it's, it's much like World War II. In World War II, you had D-Day and you had V-Day. You remember that? What was D-Day? So we had D-Day and V-Day. The, 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 the war was basically won, but then the victory came. So we see the very same thing with Satan here. And uh, the ultimate guarantee was given in the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 14 and 15 when Satan did sin God said these words the serpent because you have done this you are cursed more than all of the cattle and more than every beast of the field on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head 
and you shall bruise his heel. And we know that took place at the cross because at the cross, Satan, Satan assumed that he, was, that he had defeated Jesus because Jesus was crucified, placed behind the tomb. But at that very moment on the third day, victory was won because the tomb could not hold our Savior. And three days later, he came stepping out of that tomb on a stairway of stars headed back to heaven. And because of that, we have the ultimate victory. The third thing that I want to show you tonight is this. His ultimate defeat was at the cross. In Hebrews, we see these words in 2, 14 and 15. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, what transpired at Jesus' death and his resurrection was the freedom that was offered us. And we, we might say that that freedom came through his blood. Because it is by His blood that we are saved, that we are cleansed, that we are made whole, and we have the victory. And we see in every single instance here, who was it that defeated Satan? Well, first God kicked him out of heaven. Who was it that defeated Satan in Eden? Well, it was God. Who defeated Satan on the cross? It was Jesus. Now, there's a pattern here that I want you to see. Because some people say, well, my salvation is due about what I accomplish. No, your salvation isn't due by what you accomplish. Your salvation has been done by what He accomplished. And that's what we must keep in our minds. And the ultimate defeat will come in the future. And uh, the first part of that is He will be banned from heaven in Revelation 12. And verses 7 and verse 8, we have these words. War broke out in heaven. <clears throat> Michael and his angels fought with a dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now we do know from Job, the writer of, of Job, that Satan still has access to heaven, which is unimaginable to me, but he does. But there's coming a time when he's going to be cast out ultimately and finally and he will never ever be able to ascend back into the, into the very presence of Almighty God. Secondly, he is going to be placed in a bottomless pit. In the book of Revelation chapter 20, in verses 1 through 3, we come across these words. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit. 
and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So we know that he is going to be bound. And this period of time is called what? The millennial reign of Christ. And this 1,000 year period when Christ is going to reign on earth. And Satan will be bound, but he's not finished yet. But he'll be released for a short period of time. But he will be defeated ultimately. Uh, and we see that next. He will be cast into the lake of fire for his eternal punishment. We see that in Revelation 20, also verses 7 through 10. Now from the thousand years, when the thousand years had expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever. The ultimate and final defeat of Satan will transpire in Revelation chapter 20. And when he is defeated and when he is finally placed into the lake of fire... He will have no more power. People say, well, you know, Satan will be the king of hell. No, Satan will just be a prisoner of hell. Like every other person and every other angel that fell. There's not a hierarchy then. There's only suffering and pain. Some people say, well, you know what? Surely when you get to hell, there will be annihilation. The same word that's used for eternal life is also used for eternal punishment. It is unending. And I can't think of anything any more horrible than having eternal punishment. Can you? I can't. What is one of the worst things that that can happen, one of the most painful things that can happen? is a burn. It's a burn. And can you imagine being burned but not consumed? My soul. That ought to make us want to be an evangelist, right? That ought to make us want to share the good news of the gospel. That ought to make us want to say, you don't have to go there. Jesus died so you don't. Won't you come to him? And I don't understand. I, I talked with a gentleman the other day. And I say the other day, it's been a few weeks. He was in the hospital, 91 or 2 years old. I've known him for a long time. And I asked him after we visited, made small talk. I asked, I called his name and I said, can I ask you a serious question? And he said, well, sure. I said, if you died today, would you go be with Jesus? And he said, no. He said, no, I wouldn't. I said, well, don't you want to? And he started to cry. 
And his statement was this. I have been an old rotten sinner all my life and I guess I'll die as one. And I said, you don't have to. And tears just streamed but he wouldn't give his life to Christ. The next day I went in, same thing. And you talk about leaving a place heartbroken because he's a good man. He's just not a saved man. Let's move on a little bit longer. I'm about to run out of wind. Apologize for that. But fallen angels, demons, the origin and nature of demons. The Bible doesn't tell a whole lot about it, but it does say that that they fell with Satan specifically. And some of the angels that are being held in a state of confinement, there seems to be some that are roaming and some that are confined in Revelation chapter 9 verse 14 saying the sixth angel of the trumpet release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So it seems as though some are bound and I I don't understand why I don't have an answer for that. Uh, God knows and that's enough for me. And then in 2 Peter for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. You know, I was reading, or I, that's not true, I was listening. I like to listen to the Bible on my phone, and I was listening to Revelation chapter 6. And I was thinking, as the text said, the imagination of the heart of man was evil continuously. And I think about today, and don't we see the same thing? More and more of it. And we just wonder, Lord, how long will your mercy endure? How long will you give us another opportunity? I've always said that there's that person out there that is the last person that will come to Christ. And after that person comes to Christ, then the tribulation will begin. The rapture will happen. Let's look at a couple names and titles of the demons. They're called spirits in Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Do you remember when Jesus was confronted by Satan in Matthew And he went out into the wilderness, but what did he say every time Satan tempted him? What was it? Get behind me, Satan, but he quoted scripture every time, quoted Deuteronomy every time. You shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And we need to do the same thing when we feel 
there's an attack that we feel is spiritual, get behind me, Satan. The Word of God. They're also called deceiving or seducing spirits. In 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. You know, I don't think there's anything that's uh, much sadder than someone who claims to be a follower of Christ and then you see them turn their back on Jesus. That is heartbreaking. And it happens so often. And they are often seduced by cults. The spirit of divination in Acts 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. You ever seen those palm readers? Tarot cards? How many of you remember as a child we didn't have one but the Ouija board? Just the thought of it scared me to death. I didn't want anything to do with it. It should. It should. But there are so many deceiving spirits. A spirit of infirmity. Luke 13. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. So a spirit of infirmity, illness, unclean spirits. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them, oh, gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. There's all these names and titles for the demonic. And then not only unclean spirits, but also evil spirits. In Luke 7, he said, And that very hour he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. And the last one I want to share today is the dumb and deaf spirit. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Did you notice in every single one of those that Jesus was doing something miraculous? He was healing. He was giving hope. He was giving health. He was showing that he has power over all the demonic. And he does it with a word. You notice so often Jesus never had to touch anybody. He just had to say the word. And they were healed. We're going to stop tonight. <clears throat> I appreciate your patience.
And I hope that, uh, that we all learned a little something tonight. Let's stand together.